0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Fireside Chat. As always, I'm Sandra Mancuso. I'm here with my uh, colleagues, José and Mashuk. So, uh, first of all, uh, if you are enjoying this chat, we would love to have you participating more and leaving your comments. Uh, let us know which topics you would like us to address. Give the thumbs up. So for if if you are new to these chats uh, we normally pick a topic just before we start discussing and so we improvise a bit in in the way we do things and today we picked a, a very interesting topic that is about revolution versus evolution in software development so what do we mean by those things and when should we favor one over the other so maybe we could start trying to define what do we mean by revolution and evolution in software development
1: yeah i mean a lot of the times we we go to clients and you know clients are asking this question right like what should i do should i you know take what i have and evolve it you no know? and and especially with modernization projects you no know, should i start where i am and continuously improve that or should i scrap that completely and start from from scratch you no know? and and, and Build from the ground up something completely new, and it really depends, of course. No, the, the context is everything. But a lot of the times, that uh, starting from scratch is not very advisable for the business. know, because there's already a, there's already a lot of value that whatever it is that you have there is providing. No, whatever we had, even if it's you know not what we would like to have it has value it brought us all the way here right and the business is probably built built on top of it right so you it's not like you can simply you know scratch it and you know, we, we can't close the business for 3 months 6 months whatever amount of time uh, and then you know continue so so it's it's a bit difficult uh, to to reach uh let's say an agreement no that makes sense for that specific context no and i guess this is the the interesting part well like what kind of things we consider when we are you know trying to to advise uh our clients in that uh and also mitigating the risks that come with with doing this kind of stuff no Mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah i mean there is there's been a Uh, at the moment it's always it's almost perceived wisdom that don't start start from scratch uh these days at least that's what what i see that often people are quite reluctant to to start from scratch i the uh, revolution part they're always looking it always seems kind of a no-brainer to evolve rather than to to kind of rewrite actually this was not the case uh, of uh, a while back because the number of migration projects that i used to see uh, especially kind of 10 20 uh, 10 15 years ago there were a lot of them and there was almost a joke that these migrations never ended so you had one kind of system and that they, they tried to create another one and that one remained and they had another one and sometimes you'd have like three or four Different stages of versions of the on. same
1: thing, yeah. same
2: thing <laughs> being built from scratch, and so that's that's the other other thought. And then you, and I think behind that is that this almost like gross simplification of what we tend to have as a system. So especially bespoke systems, they are highly complex and they are integrated into the organization and its processes and ways of working in in a in a complex way, right, and pulling and when when you look at it you look at it from a particular perspective and there is a kind of a simplification and and because of that a a very optimistic view of the effort it will take to replicate that but better right and and that almost always failed or took a lot longer than was originally planned and i think given that history what's happened is the appetite for revolution has has waned considerably and we we're always going towards evolution but i my personal view is that evolution is not always the right approach even though these days it's kind of considered to be always the right approach and i guess that's what the talk is about is you know where i think it's easier to to argue for evolution but not as easy to argue for revolution when you think that's the right thing to do
0: yeah i remember like some uh when we were working for before cojudance we were working for large organizations uh and we even had that joke uh as well of those projects right so they were always trying to decommission some Mm -hmm. software right so there was always a decommissioning project and because Mm -hmm. of that they would bring in a head of something, had head of engineering, VP of these, or VP of that, or CTO of whatever. And then they would say, okay, well, I have a new big plan, my five-year vision to rebuild everything. And they would start that journey. But as they started the journey, so there was a lot of excitement because a lot of investment was putting into the, the, the rebuild of that, those systems. So there was an excitement, a different way of working, different technologies and stuff. However, during that period, the other systems had to be maintained because, as Mesh said, uh, this is a long-term thing. So then you had that catch-up game, right? So while the new system is being built, the existing system is still evolving. And and, and very rarely you you reach a point where you can switch the key from going from the old to the new. So that is just one of the problems. And and quite often during this period, the person or the people leading that transformation, they will start after two years, they create a lot of buzz in the company, a lot of excitement, but they still haven't done any. There's nothing delivered yet, but there was enough excitement. And sometimes they were even promoted to different departments or left the company so that a new person would come in, then now look at the mess of having an existing system and a half built new system and say, okay, I have another five-year plan to fix all of that, and they would start a new, new thing like that. So this is just one of the problems of the big revolutions. Another one is the skill set as well. That quite often the new systems are being built by the same people with the same skills, and they would build a, a new system that is as bad as the the old one. So quite often uh, that was another problem. Uh, however, uh, as Mesh saying, so you were saying that not always. Well, there is a case for revolution. So, as big agile ad- advocates, we normally favour evolution. I think most people in our industry today favours an evolution. But what what would be if you if we play the devil's advocate? What would be the cases where a revolution potential would be a good approach, and how can we do that safely? Let's say,
2: if possible. <clears throat> so, I, I think. So, I mean, th- there are different perspectives to to take here, right? So one is around software or software architecture. And w- the, the trend has been, at least in the, again, past 15, 20 years, uh, maybe not in the past couple of years, but the trend has been to build everything yourself. Uh, this was before the advent of better off the shelf and software as a service and those kind of things. These things have been around for a long time. But it seems like only recently we are learning how to commoditize them because in a lot of the, in previous kind of custom off the shelf software and so on, there were these behemoths application, right? They were everything to everybody. They were kind of these general platforms for application development rather than a solution. Although they tended to a solution, you know, like kind of take CRM type solutions and so on. They were heavy customization needed and they sat right in the center of your uh, technology s- state state. And, and what that meant was that, you know, everything else that you built, you built on top of it. And so it, they became integral and, and very difficult to uh, evolve and everything else. But I think in in the past few years, the trend has more been towards commoditizing s- systems and services where they do a well-focused thing, a small thing really well, right? And they put a lot of effort in how that will fit or integrate into the rest of your ecosystem. And this, I think, this advent of this new breed or... I wouldn't even say the new breed, but it's more of more frequently we we are getting a lot more of these uh, commodity or commoditized software. I think there is a lot of leverage in in being able to use use that in organizations because uh, it's someone else who's completely concentrating on that thing, and you don't have to, and it can actually lower the cost of development and operations and everything else for you. And in those cases, if you want to start using these kind of things, often you do need some kind of revolution in how your software is structured. And I think that's one uh, example where revolution might be the right thing, purely taking a a a kind of a software architecture perspective.
0: So more in terms of deciding what we do internally and what we use
1: outside. No, it's like... I, I think Matt was referring to uh, technology and, and taking advantage of the technology the best, right? Like like the, the typical example is, uh, you know, I want to move to the cloud and what I do is a lift and shift, right? which is basically I take exactly what I had in my on-prem and I try to replicate that in the cloud. And although that, works, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the benefits of using that technology the way that it's supposed to be used. No, that, that commoditization that we were talking about, the, the components, the scalability, the cost benefits and so on, you're not going to be gaining the advantage that you were looking for in the first place, right? And And that requires a revolution. Right? Because if, you're, if, if your application was not thought out to take advantage of those things right, uh, or, let's say, created the, the seams needed so that you could you know, really isolate things and, and move them and, and reuse them or replace them and so on, then you know, you're going to have to do it at that point. right? Uh, otherwise, you're never going to realize the benefits of, of adopting that technology. Or or that, mm-hmm. and th- this is an architectural uh, problem. No, that idea of you know those decisions that you made at the beginning, that are going to be really hard to change afterwards. No? so if you mm-hmm. if you find yourself that the decisions that you made are you know constraining you, uh, then it's it becomes you know a good case for for uh, that revolution. Yeah. Cloud, yeah. cloud native is
2: definitely one, right? Uh, the, the other things that I was actually also referring to is uh, where, uh, for, for example, you uh, let's take logistics, right? You know, this problem is a general problem. And there, there's a lot of people and companies out there that, that are solving it as a service, right? Now, if I was building a kind of an e-commerce solution, um, an e-commerce product, let's say, and, you know, and I didn't have a logistic system or I, ha- I had one that was really in need of uh, improvement. I would look towards these uh, companies that have built logistic solutions. Same thing around kind of we you talk about e-commerce, like t- same thing about, like, you know, product and stock and these kind of things. Right. There are commoditized solution there. And the chances are they are not your secret sauce. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so not just cloud native, but these kind of things, that's the other thing. So cloud native is one type of uh, area where revolution may be needed. Uh, Use of commodity software where you have a lot of complexity in your own system, but actually you can just, it's actually commoditized piece. It doesn't give you any edge in your business. That's another thing. And the third one that I think is where you have made a choice a long time ago to use and I may have to mention some of the big packages, but like SAP Hybris, right? Or um, these CRM solutions. There was we were using some CRM solutions that it kind of did everything and allowed you to not only did the kind of the CRM part, but allowed you to put your whole product on top of it. So in these cases the whole product was built on top of it but they're not necessarily the right tool for everything right and so that's another area where i think the revolution may, may be needed.
1: Yeah. I, I, listening to you, I have a couple of other uh, cases where I think it's also a valid uh, strategy, you know, or at least something to consider. Uh, one of them is obsolescence, right? Like, you you got something that you've extended the <laughs> hell out of it, no, the, the life out of it, and, and at, at some point, you know, the bathtub curve, right? Like, at some point, is going to start, you know, getting... stop working, basically. You're going to start getting... Uh, errors because you know it's it's reaching the end of life for that product software whatever maybe it's not maintained anymore maybe you know all these things and then you know you have no other choice than to simply replace that no now this takes me to the to another point which is it, a lot of people what they do is instead of rethinking what it is that are their new need, the new needs, and what it is that you know that software or technology that's going to replace needs to do in order to um, to get the, the the most out of it. What they tend to do is move in that line of you know we move from an off the shelf product to a commodity, but we try to replicate exactly the same thing, right? So if we had SAP uh, locally, now we're going to have SAP uh, in the cloud, but we're still going to be using it the same way or whatever, right? And uh, this is this is another uh, point when you have to uh, w- when your processes or your let's say value creation uh, 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 stream no does not match the technology. That's another case for me when you really need to move away completely from that, right? And and what I mean by that is if you're forcing people to work in a specific way just because you have the technology that's that's a problem, right? So the technology should be a means to an end. It should enable whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, no. Um and that's that's something that I find uh missing as well. No, and I think it's a it's a valid especially in cases where you're really signing around a constraint. No, and now we go to theory of constraints and that kind of stuff, right? Like your your solution needs to account for something that was not there before and maybe that's just removing completely you know a specific step it's not about getting a new system that allows you to do exactly the same process maybe easier right it's maybe changing completely the way that you approach that and you know not sending e- not sending uh, letters anymore no or not printing things and you know, like that that is part of that you know innovation kind of aspect that I feel is, is also related to that, no?
0: Yeah, I I, I hear that two different things in here. Um, one is commoditizing things. So, for example, we start, stop building inside when we realize that whatever we are spending a lot of effort building and maintaining, uh, we could just use a product, right? So that is one way, one side of revolution because it's a big decision. But the other one is when we actually use the product but way too close to our solution where we build solutions that are too uh, coupled to products and those products are now not the right thing anymore and we want to get rid of and that will completely destroy what we built before and we would need to it would be very difficult just to uh, of course it's always possible to evolve but it's painful and slow right so so then we 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 need to to check Uh, uh, as you were uh speaking I, i was thinking, what are the key things? For example, I believe that most most people uh, would prefer an evolution approach. It's less risky, you, you experiment more. I think that we, we can spend a long time making a, a case for an evolutionary approach instead of a revolutionary, even when we are making those decisions, start small, try to change, and so on. But, but I think that what I wanted to, to bring up is Why do we still feel, why we still have that urge to go for a revolution? What are the the triggers that say, you know what, if I could, I was just like obliterate everything that we have and start again. And and if there is a way to remove that sentiment in a way, and I will just give a few examples just to get it started, but like for example, quite often say, well, it's very difficult to maintain this thing or to test this thing or building new features are too slow because you have old technology and so on and so forth, right? So at some point, you are so tired of it, so oh, it would be great if we could have a brand new system. Um, but I wonder, for example, is there... A, take microservices as, as an architecture, for example. If we were able to architect our systems in a modular manner, right, we probably would decrease the need for big revolutions because the the modular architecture would allow us to have localized problems. Of course, we still have a big problem integrating all those systems. We understand the complexity shifts uh, to the integration and so on. But like a better architecture might reduce significantly the urge that we have for for revolution.
2: But uh, I think there is a, in this case, we we are talking about, actually, if, you, if you've if gone down the modular route where evolving or uh, replacing smaller parts is easy. If, even, we, sorry,
0: even isolating products, even for example, when you are integrating or using products to, to, to uh, that are part of your solution, but you, you do that, you know, in a, in a very isolated, very well-defined with an API that you control on top of it, see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So a yeah, modular, modular, yeah. modular,
2: rather mm-hmm. doesn't have to be Microsoft, but if you have a modular mm-hmm. solution and then you can replace those modules independently, uh, then you're already in the ideal state, right? I think what we are talking about is when when you when you have a, a intertwined thing that is very difficult to, to change in parts, right so a kind of an unstructured monolith basically Mm -hmm. is is where i guess when we're talking about evolution versus evolution or at least when i was talking about it the the start state is that when you have a an unstructured monolith right no i understood
0: that Mm -hmm. sorry i I understood that what i was saying is like is that a way to to first of all for example if we do an evolutionary approach towards a architectural model yes then would we remove the needs for revolution well, in the
2: future? I, I think this is this is a very very good question but actually the answer to this is not all, evolutionary approach is not always the right thing. The reason is that you really have to understand you know I talk about this complexity in the problem domain and complexity in the solution domain right So the the complexity in the problem domain will transfer to your solution. that's the minimum complexity that you will have. But then the way you, that you have devised a solution will make it more and more complex. And this is, you can also call it accidental complexity, right? Now, you have to then, when you are evolving a system, you are trying to, to reduce this accidental complexity, right? Sometimes your system is, the accidental complexity is a, an order of magnitude more than the complexity in the problem domain so uh, and th- this is often like you, you would see these systems that are just completely over engineered and they uh, they are so uh, they, they even have a lot of dead cord in them right and they are kind of intertwined in so many ways that actually taking uh, an approach to say well you know the problem in this case is not as complex or is much less complex than the solution. And in this case, you should have a really strong think about uh, whether, because you're evolving that, taking it to the point where it becomes modular, is going to be a very long, hard slog. Because what you, you're not only dealing with the complexity of your problem domain, you're dealing with the complexity of the solution. And you're constantly dealing with it. And it's the debt against which you are paying interest over and over and over again until it becomes something something that is manageable so i think this i guess there is an inflection point on whether you should take the evolutionary approach or the revolutionary period based on how complex and difficult to evolve your system is the other side of that is who is evolving it right how are you you know if you are trying to evolve this whole thing do you have the right kind of skills there as well, right? And if it's really difficult and on top of that, you don't have the right skills to evolve it, it's going to become even more difficult, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's not a straightforward always to, to say, um, you know, go modular first, make it easy to change. And then replace bits. I think sometimes you have to take a different approach. I don't think it's always the right approach.
1: And and it may be driven by you know strategy and product and you know the business itself, right? Like we're doing this thing, you know, because we want to accomplish certain things in the business, right? We have targets that we need to make. We need to push out certain features or add new things to the product or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also a constraint, right? So. The time uh, aspect or or dimension uh, of that, how much time do I have in order to do this is I think another important factor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If writing it from scratch, yeah, will allow me to hit those targets versus having to, you know, um, what's the, should I go for that or should I go and try to evolve and maybe, you know, during the way Sacrifice some of the things that I want to achieve just because I want to evolve, right? And well, this is uh, this is sorry. So one thing
2: I would say, just to pick on or writing it from scratch. If someone said to me, "I have this system, and I'm going to write it again but better," I would probably you know, the the time when I would say someone, "I'm going to build it again better," and build it because all these other things are already done for me, and I'm just going to put them together and and build the parts that I really need to be customized. I think. That, that would be the, the approach that I would be more inclined to then start really looking at. But, but if you're going to just re- rewrite the same thing uh, completely, then you're going to make the same
1: mistakes. Yeah, and, and also it's not the same thing because a lot of the times we, we lose a side that the the system is the spec, right? And And it has continued to evolve. Right. So whatever you had in documentation, you know, maybe you know, ten years ago when you when you started, right, of what that thing needed to do has now evolved, right. And the documentation for it is in the system. It's no longer no um, something that you can just take out and no. And, and there there is that uh, overhead and there's that complexity added to to what you're um, to what you're doing. Um, I think there is an aspect of evolution that is very attractive, which is the idea of uh, keeping the, the machine running, right? Like changing the wheels and the car while the car is, is, is going, right? And a lot of people think of rewrite as we need to stop the car and you know, start building something else. Then we can, we can start it. And that's not always the case. You can actually have both systems working Together, right? As you're building one and, and sort of like decommissioning the other or, or uh, removing the other, but that requires certain skills that are not you know the common ones that you that you get uh, when people go out of university, no, or when they're being building applications uh, greenfield all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go on, Sandro.
0: No, no, no. Go on, Mesh.
2: No, just, just something funny came to my mind because someone said uh, fairly recently I was in a project with a client, and uh, they, they said, "Oh, I don't like this metaphor of, like, you know, exactly." He talked about, you know, a car and and changing the wheel while the car is running. He said there is a possibility of that. What we have is a jet and uh, play aeroplane and the engine is on fire. <laughs> we need to land this thing <laughs> before we do anything else. <laughs> yeah, <that's->
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, this, is, this is actually like this pressure of delivery and fixing problems uh, is just a, a another big constraint on top of a revolution. Right, Mm -hmm. because you still need to keep maintaining the existing things. You still have the pressure of the business of keep delivering and and fixing whatever issues that uh, you might have. We we have like multiple modernization projects, and you know everything that we say is it needs to be contextual. So, so, and of course, it would be very difficult to give all the different contexts in here. For example, we had uh, a a, a project where we did what you were saying, Jose, where we were building a new system while integrating with the other one. In fact, like we've done twice uh, that I uh, I was uh, a bit closer at least, one was moving from, uh, the, the biggest challenge was moving different stacks. So we had like an old big PHP system and, they, and we were trying to move Java microservices and keeping the, the new with the old system when we've done that, but it was very difficult because the skill set that you need to have you need to understand the new stack well so that you don't make the same mistakes. So as you are building a new system, hopefully we build with less mistakes, which is not always the case, as we just discussed. So you need to have very good skills on the new stack and tech, but you also need to understand very well the old one because you need to be doing the surgery on the old system and disabling some of the features and redirecting things to a different system in a different stack, moving stack trees Moving across the same stack is easier. Moving across different stacks is extremely complex. And even like going, as we were talking about lift and shift and stuff, most of those things, it's, you need to react that all your systems to benefit from from the, the environment, from the cloud. So do cloud native, and quite often, you need to change the stack as well. Because, like, not always it to be a good idea to put, like, to go serverless and use... Uh, JVM or .NET, maybe you're going to use for a, for a slightly different stack for some of those modules, right? Mm-hmm. But there were a, a few things that I wanted to, to to mention on the the monolith that that uh, referred to mesh. The the there is the the revolution implies a lot of risks, right? So so and I find it difficult to balance that sometimes because. The evolutionary approach, you minimize risk. You do that things incrementally. You learn, you adapt, and, and your system is always in a working state. A, ref- a revolutionary approach, you might go a bit faster building the new one, but in the great scheme of things, you might be a bit slower to switch from the old to the new, because it's a big switch going from one system to another. And there is a hybrid approach that you mentioned, Jose.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I mean, because this is a strategy more to uh, handle the risk of return on investment than it is the risk of, you know, rebuilding the solution and actually not finishing... Not only return uh, on investment,
0: not only return on investment, is the, the the actual getting things wrong. Uh, because, like, the the revolutionary approach, there's lots yeah, of risk.
1: Your, your, Yeah, so of course, but what I meant by that is you may mm-hmm. not, and, you know, the, that risk of... Uh, Starting from scratch and not and finding yourself in a state where you never finished the the, the rewrite or you, never, you know you know mm-hmm. you you already and by that point you were starting the next rewrite you know what I mean like that uh, initial case that you mentioned where there was always some uh, decommissioning going on and so on that's what i mean by that right like you still by doing that by by having both solutions yes of course you're minimizing the risk of you know building the thing and actually getting what you want no it's it's like this is why we have walking skeletons and you know all all of these things right so that's that's the idea but beyond that from a business perspective i think there is this aspect of i'm not going to have to wait you know six months whatever amount of time it requires to get something built that i can start using and do the switch now the big bang release right and uh, i'm going to be able to get that as soon as possible which is something that the evolutionary approach kind of has you know Mm -hmm. ingrained no and this is this is, I think, a, a distinction that is important. I was trying to say before, it requires certain skills to be able to do it like that. Otherwise, people will go, by default, they will go to the, okay, we will start writing it uh, new, and then when it's ready, when it's feature complete, when we have the minimum features, uh, then we will do a switch, and then, you know, and then you it's, it's not properly handled a lot of the time. This, this is what I was trying to say
2: yeah and i think taking a, a revolutionary re- approach does not mean that you don't uh you don't iterate and mm-hmm. you know you can uh, you can even think about like for example if you take a complete revolution you rebuild you start rebuilding the a complete product you might even start with um kind of a kind of vertical feature set that some customers are being sent to right where others are using the old system so you can start kind of experimenting you can start bringing it in and just bringing it into market early bringing a, a kind of a, a revolution to market early is is an approach that you can take you don't have to have this big bang thing i'm going to switch this off and i'm going to start this this in fact I want to talk a bit because revolution versus evolution speaks of strategy. It's actually a very, it's about organizational strategy. And one thing I was reading up a while back on a kind of a strategy book, I think it was good strategy, bad strategy, where they talked about the phenomena on why people like Google and Facebook can't innovate. I mean, they have all the resources in at their disposal, why are they all, there's always these new startups appearing, and why can't, like, the likes of Google and Facebook, why are they buying them? Why can't they build their own new startups? And there he, he talks about this success factor. Once you kind of become too successful in a particular area, and it becomes ingrained, you you don't, you no longer think about, uh, uh, kind of, doing something completely different in a completely different way and what that means is that you can't innovate you are you're always stuck in these ways of working and there is almost this inertia and there is this fear that you know things are working well why do i want to do something in a very different way even if there are you know many good reasons for it because things are working right and this is the kind of Culture in organizations that actually makes them stop innovating and creating this and innovation is often revolution. So, always taking an evolutionary approach in some ways stifles innovation in in the way that your product and processes are being built.
1: Well, I, I don't entirely agree with that. Maybe I again I didn't I haven't read that. Uh, book and so on but I think there is in the continuous improvement kind of thing there is innovation in that because in the innovation or is like there is a novelty right like there is this you know thing that we're doing different now and you know it will it's not disruptive it's not radical it's not it may not be the optimal even right like we, we may be optimizing for a local <laughs> you know for a local thing and not the global uh, there's there's a better solution, but we're not exploring that, right? And that I completely agree with. There's also a factor of it's easier to just buy the thing that's already built, no, if it is what you what you want, if you're at that point, then building it from scratch, because it will take time. Even if you think you can do it better, it will take time. So a lot of the time you, you want to make the decision, just buy it and you know, have that innovate by acquiring what you already want to uh, know you bring it in you rebrand it, you adopt it, you you know whatever it is that, that you're going to do you know so it, it's a different strategy i wouldn't say you know they're not innovating it's, it's what i don't completely agree so with, i yeah? think when when i when i was
2: talking about innovation i'm talking about disruptive innovation i'm talking about when you change the problem context right because often when you are replacing this thing and that thing and you know even when you take a modular approach you tra- you're just replacing stuff the you know you're not and it it will push you down a particular route right you the analysis of the problem how you model the problem is going to remain as is maybe uh-huh. change small, small changes sorry go on Sandra.
0: No, what I think that it's—I don't see that as a clear cut. Uh, I think I'm in, somewhere in between here. The—I I think that a lot of companies have ideas, but some ideas, in order to 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 material to to actually work on them, they might perceive that it's too expensive because the chains are too big or it's going to take too long. Uh, so, what I was thinking is. For example, if you are running a product company and you have a bunch of systems that to look after. So if you if we are constantly focused on keeping our systems flexible, right? Whatever flexibility might mean, but like an architecture that is flexible, because we don't know exactly where we are gonna innovate. Innovation doesn't, for example, not always we know, oh, this is what you're going to innovate. Sometimes it will, as we are evolving, as we are having different conversations, as they, they do different businesses, they might have different ideas. And at that point, they will need to make a judgment call and say, hey, if we wanted to implement this idea or try this out, how expensive would that be? How much stuff that we need to change? So if, if we work in a way where our systems are always ready for changes, like, I mean, like they are flexible enough, and that comes with a cost as well, as we all know. Uh, but if our architecture remains flexible, it becomes cheaper to experiment. It's easier to do more experiments and then hopefully innovate. What will not help is you have like those, all those big systems all interconnected. That would certainly stifle.
2: Yeah, right. so so I, I think you know, what I'm actually arguing for is both. Right. Mm -hmm. I think you do need flexible enough systems where you can innovate at a uh, in part, like Mm -hmm. at a local level. Right. And you also need in your organization, a way of innovating at the system level, at a holistic level. So, at the local level, of course, you know, you this area now I can, you know, I was building, let's say, an e-commerce solution, and and I'm I built my product the way I model the product myself, but now I see a SaaS thing, I can replace that, and I'm innovating in certain ways, and you know, that's one thing. In another uh, place, I can even completely try to turn things on its head, right? How? I am serving the customer, or you know how I am putting my products in front of the customer, and so on. And you you're then not at the solution level; you are actually at the problem level, and you you're allowing the problem to shape that. And there is there is this constant um, uh, experimentation that is not constrained by how quickly you can change the system. You can build something from scratch to try these new ideas out. And and run with it, and have this thing in your organization where the architecture or the system level products are structured in a way that allow you to do these smaller experiments outside the the kind of the the product, the big product that you have that you have to evolve and takes time to evolve. Right. So that's
0: just just for me to uh, to see if I understood where you were coming from. So you are not talking about systems integration you are more talking about having a, a, a ways of working there in the organization where uh first some you don't have heavyweight process where we can just for some if you want to come up with a small proof of concept uh and you push it out you would not be blocked by the bureaucracy of going to production or writing documentation or when or go through 10 levels of approval
2: is that where you are coming no I'm, I'm saying that you should be allowed to go to production and you should even be allowed to experiment with a small set. So I think there are, there were at one point, there was some things similar happening at Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Where they would allow a, they, there was not huge heavyweight processes in putting things live. the only thing was that w- whatever features that you put live, they would start very small, right? And they, in terms of who it's available to and slowly grow. Right. So that, that's what I'm talking about. You could you should be able to build your own processes, your own ideas, model your own problems. So the, this is the innovative side of how you build the organization, is processes, is ways of working. There is this kind of whole, uh, you know, we have this m- mega product that everything is relying on. And of course, there's a lot of rigor. Right. And then there is kind of this room for experimentation that that is allowing me to kind of hit the market early with with things complete with the experiments that are related to the market uh and not related to how quickly i can change this piece of software that the major bit of software so 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 that's what i mean
1: it's it's also about the size of the of the steps that you take even if you are uh you know reinventing or if you are uh, evolving no to to some extent because The bigger the size, the bigger the risk, no, the 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 more you'll have to pay or invest into and I'm not talking only about money, right? Like we we, you know we we have the the J curve, no? And if you if you look at the let's say organizational change related to adopting or or pushing something like a new solution in and so on, you have that you know, almost valley of death. No, like the, that investment where okay, w- this is the status quo. Something happened, chaos, chaos. Oh, look, we have an idea on how to solve this. Oh, we need to start integrating and then you know, you'll, you'll take some time until you go, hopefully, you no, know, to a better state than you were before, right? And this is the things that uh, this is something that things like you know, agile methodologies, you know, Scrum, Kanban, etc., try to try to mitigate instead of doing that big band release or that big change. Now that you're uh trying to go for you do smaller incremental ones no and you sort of like pay less make sure that you get the return pay less make sure that you get it and eventually you you know you'll try to get where, where you want to go no and it will give you that adaptability and so on uh it's the same with the with experimentation or with uh with uh this revolution now we're, we're calling it revolution uh approach where you know even if you're starting from scratch the size is also uh, important, right? How big is my experiment? How experiment mm-hmm. is my experiment? <laughs> no, uh, is is an important uh, aspect of that. No, and again, there there are many ways to to mitigate that. You know, there's lean startup methodology and customer development and, and all these things that sort of allow you to have that feedback loop and learn and. Let's say justify a bigger investment each time, no, and and try to to validate those things. But it is also about that cost, no, at the organization level and at all levels within the organization, no, people, you know, skill, technology, and so on, right?
0: Yeah, th- th- those those are good points because I've seen uh, many times uh, in some of our clients and even in our previous life uh, before cojudence, a lot of people inside organizations with a lot of good ideas, but they don't have the either the people to do that or the expertise to do that. And then they 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 end up after a lot of asking and, and, and almost begging, they end up being given like some time or, or a, a few people here and there to start an experiment, but those experiments are being done in a very amateurish way, and then those good ideas die because of the experiment. The experiment itself kills a good idea because the experiment was not done well, either because they don't have enough people, or the, the skills, or in the middle of the experiment, because it's not treated as a as a, as a strategic approach, those people are pulled out because something else is on fire. Or again, uh, the lack of skill killed all of it, because the, it was very slow. And then it's OK, so if this is, this new thing is going to be so slow or so difficult to do that we don't want to
2: do but maybe yeah and organizational constraints got in the way basically that's what mm-hmm. this is my my big problem with with the doesn't if you have a large product product doesn't matter how well structured it is right if that's the only way that you people have to bring their ideas in it's gonna get you know it they, like it's gonna become difficult to change Right, it, not necessarily very difficult, but there's degrees of difficulty, right? And experimenting in a product live doesn't matter how well set up it is, right? You're gonna have, you, you, it's gonna take time and those experiments are gonna become costly, right? Because it's kind of fa- fail fast, I think. But if you have set up your uh, organization systems ways of working in a way that a new system can come in and completely bypass, I mean, a lot of people talk about this, you know, company made up of startups team, you know, each team is almost like a startup where you can bring up another team at, at the center of an eye kind of around an idea and they can work in an, as much of an autonomous way as possible to bring their idea to market. Right. That that's the kind of organization That's those are the kind of systems and ways of working. That's, that's where you want to point. So basically,
0: it will be a small revolution within a, an area of organization, uh, because like you know that I was uh, when I read Lean Startup, which goes many years ago, uh, I was actually surprised to see that the Lean Startup could be applied in large organizations. And for me, Lean Startup was just about startups, but not a mindset or a ways of working. And so, so basically, what what, what you're saying is like. Uh, before we even start an experiment, we should look at the organizational constraints and like, what are the constraints that we can remove? So, how can we make this experiment a success and remove everything we can? So we are still compliant to some organizations, they need to be compliant to regulations and all this kind of stuff or certification, and so on. Uh, but then what is the how can we limit that to the bare minimum, right? And remove yeah much bureaucracy as we can but that is a revolution in a way but it's a, it's a controlled revolution potentially
1: one, one one thing is we're going a lot into into innovation uh, i would say that th- there's a really good um article in the harbor business review around strategies for innovation i'll try to to find uh that and maybe put it in you know we can put it in the comments or whatever uh that specifically deals with different strategies you know, how can you manage that? Because some things are better, you know, the strategy will be better to just find a group of people that are really good within your organization and put them together and have them work on this thing. Other other strategies are things like, you know, we'll buy someone else, right? And Mm. that already has the product, has the culture and whatever. And each of those scenarios, I think there was like four or five approaches. Each one of those scenarios has its pros and cons, and it's really very contextual, which is, again, just not going too much into the innovation side of things because we were talking about revolution and a continuous improvement. No, one to start from scratch versus one to. And there is an aspect that we haven't discussed, which is the why, right? And I'm going to go there now because a lot of times I've seen people let's say, uh, put forward a change because they want to learn a specific technology or because they want to, you know, try out a new architecture or whatever. You know, we, Sandro, I think you refer to this as, you know, CV-driven development. No, it was, the, it was the latest thing that I wanna put in my CV and then I'm mm-hmm. gonna say that. And I feel like that's the wrong approach. Is there something that you shouldn't do, right? to uh, think in those terms and be very clear about what it is that uh, what it is and why it is that you want to do this. Is it innovation? Is it you know what are the trade-offs that you're doing when you're choosing one strategy or, or another and how uh, and even what to know is or how you're going to be implementing those things? which is a reflection that a lot of the time people don't make right uh, kubernetes is the trending thing let's all move to kubernetes right uh, you may not need that right and and that's a that's also an important aspect because although you get a lot of motivation you no, know, like sandra was saying in the beginning you no, know, you create a lot of oh yeah let's do this and people are very engaged and so on then you know you may not hit the the goals at the business level in order to make sure that that is sustainable uh in the long term that that actually accomplishes what you what you set out to uh to do Mm -hmm. right and yeah in
0: in terms of the cv building that is one thing that i would love to see that would build the cv and say okay i'm impressed now uh is like for example if you want to build your cv app so like you know what i was working with my uh current employer or former employer and we had this business problem, we had this context, those complex of the systems and stuff. And I was uh, quite, uh, I, I actively participate in creating a strategy to actually migrate those things to, to to change the systems. And that's the kind of business value that we had and stuff. I would be massively impressed with that, mm-hmm. right? But if you say, oh, I use Kubernetes, you might be, I say, yeah, whatever, right? There are loads of other people that, that can also do that. But like, so if you want to increase your, to build your CV, like build with, this is how we went from A to B, and that's all the improvements that we've made in terms of business and, and processes and so on and so forth. Just want to mention that there is a, a one thing that I would like to just to say, like uh, going back to the technical side and, and, and architecture. After quite a few modernization projects, I, I, I'm still... I, I, I will always lean towards the, the evolution, but I feel that uh, quite a few times it's very, it's way too slow. And it will take some, some special cases, as we discussed previously about uh, well, earlier on in, in this conversation, but, but I also, f- so to, to convince me to go to a revolution, but I also feel that the evolutionary approach mainly for modernization projects We should take bigger risks. We should take some bigger steps. Not potentially all the way to let's redo everything, but but the evolutionary steps, sometimes they need to be bigger with a bigger risk uh, because it takes way too long. It's a big investment and takes a long time for the return. And, And we might get a better return if we take bigger risks. But
2: it's a risk. It's, right? it, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. In fact, you know, taking that example, and I think we had this right where an e-commerce solution was being modularized. Yeah, before we could commoditize certain pl- things, you could have could actually take a different approach. You could say, well, actually, I'm not going to modularize it. I'm going to bring, like, let's say we in this case, I need to manage product, right? And I'm gonna bring a, a SaaS solution in for handling product, or handling payments, or, or these kind of thing, and then I'm gonna see how I can integrate that. With so you 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 kind of rather than you taking an approach where let me make it better, and then then push this commodity in. I'm saying is let me bring the commodity in, almost like in you know at a lower level we create these behavior attractors. Right. Mm -hmm. You create a class because, you know, it's the responsibilities that this class may have are scattered all the way around your code. You create a class and it's considered a behavior attractor. What starts happening is you name it while it's in a good place and all that stuff starts moving in there, you know, because now you have something that is for that. And in a similar way, you can create these behavior attractors. Outside, so that's just one strategy of taking bigger leaps, because here you're actually putting the product SaaS thing in first, and you're saying, "Okay, now I'm gonna start using it, uh, and 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 see how my my product evolves."
0: Mm-hmm. Th- th- that project in specific, uh, just for uh, people's context, like we had a much smaller developers population. And that could have worked. Uh, But for example, in in another project that we have, we have like uh, hundreds of developers spread in multiple countries. And all of them work on the same monolith. So even doing that becomes very difficult because the release of the software becomes complex, right? So the the release process is a big bottleneck and the amount of testing that goes in and stuff. So uh, sometimes like, I think we should just get a big ax uh, or, or how do you call the the, the uh, is in Portuguese? Is the, the the chainsaw the
1: that, a chainsaw
0: a chainsaw a chainsaw and, brrr, and really cut even with rough edges and, and detach a whole chunk of things and teams and uh, from, from the big thing because you cannot work in such a small increments in such a large code base with hundreds of developers changing and wait for the modularization to arrive so that you carve out nicely. You need to take a big risk sometimes and say, you know what, let's let's just remove it. Even if you put some plaster to to, to, to keep the the, the connection between the two pieces, but at least now we have that thing separate. Mm -hmm. And then we will start evolving it, but it needs to be sometimes a more aggressive approach. Uh, because sometimes it takes way, way too long. Uh, an evolutionary approach, trying to minimize risks all the time, might actually increase—not increase risks, but it might be—it might not bring the return on investment. I think that's that's probably the the right way of putting this.
1: And so, there there is an aspect of this which is continuous improvement is also a culture that you need to. To have right and if you don't have that it's going to be even slower <laughs> right because you're going Ooh. to have to build both things you're going to have to build that culture where people are you know going in and thinking okay, hey, how can i make this better right and they're they're really caring for um you know for that and they're really aligned around what they want to achieve it's not it's not just everyone building their own ball of mud no, Isolating, isolation and then trying to, right? Um, and, and that's a cultural aspect as well, right? That if you don't have, plus the skills, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, I would say, almost impossible, right?
0: And, and this is a good point because, for example, changing culture uh, is also a thing that is very difficult to do with a revolution. It's almost impossible. In my view, I cannot see how, you, mainly when you are talking about large organizations with hundreds of people, uh, you don't just... Click the fingers and bang, you have a, a different thing. So you don't cause a revolution very easy. It needs to be an evolutionary approach. However, those evolutionary approaches in our culture takes forever. And, and this is what you were saying. The reason I, 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 I'm mentioning that is because what you were saying, Jose, for example, sometimes we were in, in situations in a few projects that the people trying to make the system better step by step could not do could not do as fast as other people would make it worse. So you we were always in a losing game. You were trying to you were improving areas, but people were because of the 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 way that the organization worked and the, the general skill set, the system was always we'll never win that race.
1: But that's right? an example of of treating the symptom, no? And not the and not the cost.
0: So, yeah, but, but sometimes for me, like, I cannot see, uh, this is why I was talking about taking bigger risks and, and bigger steps, because sometimes, like, you cannot wait to fix every, uh, to, to uh, upskill every single person in the organization and then wait that, for that to, to start improving, because this will take years and never going to happen. People move, uh, new people join, and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just say you know what, let's carve this piece out. Let's be aggressive. Take this bit out because it's the bit that is more important. is more uh, strategic for us moving forward and stuff. And, this, and once you are able to do that, we can move faster in a more localized place. And then we take a slower approach in a, in a, in a place that is less strategic. It's not that you're not going to look after that, that the rest, but you can take more time to do that. But, but if you want to move faster, you need to, to be more aggressive. And, and, and that may cause a, a small uh, revolution in the company because that might have, you might have to create uh, to, to break a few silos, but even create new silos in order to do that.
1: Or, or, or people who are you know kind of, why why wasn't I chosen to <laughs> to the join course. the that team no, the commander exactly team right yeah. and, and that kind of like yeah. it's really like you need to be very careful with these things because when it we doesn't begin, it doesn't
0: necessarily need to be a commando, but by the way it can be just an area people work in a specific area it's not really necessarily because there are multiple ways there is a commander team that you try to do something but there is isolating a, a, a
1: but it is creating uh, a silo, and in this case, it might, it is, is also it is also um, uh, there, there's a a class kind of uh, thing happening there. Uh, of and this is something that can actually go against what you're trying to achieve. This is why you know there is this aspect of you know the technology and you know the the the, the architecture and how you choose things and all that stuff. That's very necessary, uh, uh, but I would say works in a more a concrete, objective, tactical kind of thing, and then you have the the high level, you know, the, the forces or the climate inside the organization, no, so to speak, that is moving, no, that that is uh, is changing. There are these these forces and these things that are moving in there, and you also need to account for those as part of your uh, strategy for it, no? Like, no sure, team, but if try to cater, so on, right? no, I, I
0: get it, like, but if you try right to cater for all the different individual needs. You, the organization is never going to move, and we need to accept the fact that certain areas of the organization or certain areas of the product are more important than others, and that will always be the case. Uh,
1: that's, not the, that's not the argument. The argument is those things need to be managed. It's not like you cannot do that. Is You need to be aware that when you do something like that, there are risks oh, yeah, involved, course. and you need to address them. Otherwise, you could create a problem. Uh, as well. And, and we've they, seen they that. It could be even uh, bigger, yeah. right? So that's that's the thing as, as well, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. We, we, we've seen that in some organizations, like, because we, we are separating uh, some people. But, like, uh, although this is... Uh, we've seen that some people say, I would love to be in that team and stuff. This problem from, at least from the, the very, like, uh, well, uh, the anecdotal experience, because it's just, like, my experience, Uh, in in that, I don't have any scientific data, but like this problem has proven smaller than previously anticipated. Like people that really feel left out are very few ones. And normally those ones that would feel left out are the ones that you want in the new thing anyway, because they are the ones more engaged. They are the ones contributing and stuff like that. So uh, yes, there will always be, but you need to prioritize. There's no, I, I don't have a perfect solution. I wish I had. But in those large organizations, large systems and stuff, you need to focus and prioritize. And as you do that, some people and areas you get more attention than others,
1: right? It, I, not, I think,
2: hmm. yeah, yeah, I think what Jose is also trying to say is that, uh, yes, you need to do that, but also you need to manage it well in, in the hmm. sense that you need to t- take the whole organization with you on that journey. And when people understand the reasons behind why this team was created or this this thing was done they understand it and they were part of that decision making process Mm -hmm. and so it is an organization's decision but in in, in certain cases when it's done like completely from the top you know without a lot of explanation without a lot of consultation and involving people in that process uh, that's when mm -hmm. things go wrong
1: yeah it's it's not only that is the is the process, and it's the composition of of that. I'll because it's not only about being having a sense of being left out. It's also how you make sure that the people that you're putting in there have the the aggregated skill set required for to make things successful. Right, motivation is one of them. Yeah. Motivation is one of them, but sometimes you also need, you know, the authority and decision making. Well, sometimes, no, like all the things that I'm going to say are you need them, right? So, uh, The authority and the decision making power. You need people who are really good at executing. You're, you need people who are really good at inspiring others or getting people to, to engage uh, with things. You need really good communicators all of those things and and we've seen it many times no like you you put together the motivated guys no like maybe they're very good technically or not or they they'll get there no but when it comes to explaining what it is that needs to be they they suck at it and when it comes to like trying to get people engaged or when it's to to try to negotiate Within the organization to align, uh, you know, expectations or needs or whatever they suck at it. So all of those things are not just the technology side of things. If you want to make sure that it's successful, right? It's what I was trying to say. And and creating a group by definition already, like if you're saying these people are going to be, you know, call it whatever team A, yeah, call it coalition, call it whatever, right? The the people that are leading the transformation, whatever that already creates a separation. Yeah, yeah but, but see, for example, yeah.
0: but, but this, this is the thing, like, I, I don't remember us trying to do any of that in terms of, like, hey, create a big fuss about it. The, the, this is another thing. It's like quite often like an area is chosen and, and then people start working on it and, and improving that area. But it's not a big fuzz in terms of uh, putting people on top of the, the fire brigade uh, truck and go to the streets. We are the saviors of the world. And so so there's nothing like that. It's just like, you know what, like there are a few areas that we need to improve. We are going to start from here. Who is working in that area? Those are the group of people that are already working in those areas. OK, let's work with them and start. So, so there's no big fuss either so and also one thing that is, is important to say is that uh there is there should be a plan for everything so it's just a matter of explaining priorities for everyone involved and stuff and normally those people are will may create a few experiments and we'll be working with other people as well integrating with that with them and, and also we need to remove the the glamorous because like quite often uh these uh kind of uh initial focused areas, let's call it, or not even call it a team or something like just we are focused in a specific area, people think there's not a lot of glamour doing that work, you know, because depending on the work that is being done there, it's a lot of frustration, because you are trying to break some silos, you are trying to fight the system in a way, you are trying to change things and you want to go live and you cannot go and we need to speak to someone because you are trying to do things differently. So so there is a lot of frustration in doing that work at the beginning. It's not just like playing with new toys and, and going live because that would be very easy to do, right? So, so we are actually going to the, the heart of areas that very few people wanted to work on and actually start fixing them, and that quite, and going to old PHP systems or twenty-year-old Java systems right into the middle and start detaching two thousand tables. This is not. There's not a lot of glamour in there, you know. So, so we just need also to to make sure that this is well explained as well.
1: Right, yeah, so I, th- I think we are in in a, a good time, time away, to wrap yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah as always now we <laughs> we could be talking for hours yeah this could be, yeah, this uh, could be a so very long conversation excellent is.
0: okay so i really enjoyed it uh so any final words from anyone
2: i i mean i can start but i think my my view is evolution versus evolution It almost simplifies i mean and of course in a title you want to simplify the problems are always more complex and you know you have to take evolutionary and revolutionary approaches in different parts of your problem when you're fixing them. I think my main thing is that you sh- shouldn't take evolution for granted as being the only approach because sometimes it's easier to justify, well, it's always often easier to justify than than a revolutionary approach. But sometimes, as you said, bigger steps are needed, and sometimes very large steps indeed are needed. And the other thing is, that you should allow your organization and ways of working so that both evolution and
1: revolution have a place in it.
0: Yeah, Jose, any final kind of words?
1: Um, I think that covers it uh, pretty well. I would I would just mention that whatever uh, path you take, you need to make sure that you understand what the uh, of course benefits but also what the constraints and the risks are and that you manage them we were talking about certain things like culture and so on that seem to be very abstract very but they are very much something that can kill whatever initiative you're uh, you're gonna put forward right and you need to take care of it uh, as well right it's not just a matter of technology and it's not just a matter of, of the skill set uh, either, right? Um, make sure you dedicate, you know, the, the, the resources to, to handle that and to mitigate that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from my side, I think that uh, one thing I would like to explore is like the idea that as we are evolving our systems, we evolve them in a way that we minimize the need for future revolutions, you know, like so or the revolutions are much smaller <laughs> controlled and stuff so if we if we have systems that are always recalibrated they are always realigned they actually is always in, in a place where we we minimize the need for a revolution i think that we would be also in a good stage so um, so cool well as always like uh if people enjoyed this, uh, if you are watching this and you enjoyed this chat, give us a thumbs up. But most importantly, let us know what you would like us to talk. Like as you can see, we love talking. <laughs> so uh, let us know the kind of things that you would like us to talk about, and and we'll do our best to, to pick your topic.
1: And and subscribe so that the next episode, you know, is right. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, you're notified when it when when it's out.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much. See you you in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.